Hi everyone, this is Mark. Well, everyone, I hope you have a great day and great year because I'm so excited. I have a special guest today, my friend, a mentor, in George Casey Jr. Hey! Hey, thanks for having me, Mark. My pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you here with us, and I cannot wait to get to know you. Something that you can share, you would do something differently, knowing what you know now. But before we get to everything, let me start with the first question. George, how did George become George? <laughs> Mark, it, it took a lot to become who I am. <laughs> and and, and for, for instance, uh, I was one earlier in life I didn't listen much. Uh, my dad would tell me things that would, would hurt me down the line, but I thought I knew everything, and I found out that I didn't know much. Uh, because I didn't know much, I ended up uh, homeless. Uh, by the, at the age of 21, I had been shot at. I had been held by gunpoint. Uh, I had been told by many of my teachers that I would never amount to much at all. So my life, early in life, really kind of started off with a struggle. And I eventually changed around when I joined the United States Marine Corps. Uh, one of the things that, that strongly changed the, the, the rest of the course of my life. But I also think, isn't that true that you were probably open for change? Absolutely. It's not, uh, I mean, unless I'm missing something, it's not that someone have uh, given you anything on a silver platter. Nobody said, okay, here it is, here's this uh, paycheck, or here's this, you had to earn it. Isn't that true? Well, eventually that, that's what it was, but I, I really kind of drifted into the Marine Corps. I, I ended up, again, I had ended up homeless at one time, and I ended up going to Savannah, Georgia, right outside of Savannah, it's a little city called Hinesville, Georgia, where one of my cousins stayed. And uh, she, she brought me into her home after I had been homeless and living from here to there. And she gave me a warm bed to sleep in, and she uh, gave me some great food to eat. And I hadn't ate a meal like that. I can still remember macaroni and cheese, collard greens, um, uh, fried chicken, cornbread, a, a great meal to a hungry fella. And uh, she sat me down, and I'm one of those people that strongly believe nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And on that particular day, I found out exactly how much my cousin cared as she sat me down and she asked me a question that would change the rest of my life. And she asked me, George, what are you going to do with your life? And until that moment, I really never gave it much thought. I just kind of drifted from place to place, uh, pillar to post, so to speak, and just ended up uh, homeless and, like I said, at my cousin's. And there sitting in front of my cousin, I, I mentioned to her that I thought about joining the Marines. And uh, she, she, told, she stopped me right there and she said, no, don't just think about it. You know, you really need to do it because your life needs some kind of structure, some kind of discipline. And it wasn't until I got to Paris Island where they make Marines that I really learned that there's potential in me. And I'd heard that word potential so many times. And every time I heard potential, it was like somebody was cursing at me because they always said, you're not living up to your potential. But I never gave any, any other thought to what my potential was. So when I got to Marine Corps boot camp, all I had in mind was the idea that many of my friends said, you are crazy. Hmm. You know how much running Marines do? Hmm. And I didn't until I got to Paris Island, but I quickly found out. <laughs> and, uh, and, and once I, I really started completing some of the tasks that were laid before me, and it was an effort of stretching myself, that I found out, wow, I didn't know I can do that. And I began to think to myself, what else can I do? And that, what else can I do, was the big opener of my life. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, I'm listening to your story. You're a great storyteller. 
you're a great storyteller. When I see you describe your cousin, it as if you're there's some another additional energy I see in your eyes, I see in your face. I love it, and I think it translates to the people that you meet. Right? Yes, yes, I right? believe so. I yeah, believe so. It, it, it's it's energy exchange. It's how you touch people, how you connect. Um, so t- let's talk about Toastmasters because okay. this is a uh, community and we help each other. What are the things that you have learned being in Toastmasters? And I know you're active. You're you're part of the community. You're you know you're very generous with your time and with your talents. Talk to uh, talk to the audience and to me, to us. How has Toastmasters helped you specifically? What are the things you have learned um, that are, wow, I didn't know this existed? Or um, what would you do differently if you would, if we, tell us, when did you join Toastmasters? Okay, let me, let me give you my background about <laughs> yeah, Toastmasters. It's, it's a great story. Yeah. Well, I, w- I was in, in 2006, I believe. I was, uh, 2005, I attended University of Phoenix. And when I graduated University of Phoenix, there was a gentleman by the name of Les Brown who was the keynote speaker powerful, dynamic speaker, uh, great motivator. And I had heard about Les Brown. I had heard his story several times. And on this particular day, Les Brown went through his whole spiel. You got to be hungry. And I, I can still picture him right now saying, you, you got to be hungry. And I felt a, a, a energy come across me. And then you know, something about him speaking on stage made me say, I want to do that. So I, I asked around and talked to a mentor at the time. And he told me about Toastmasters. All I was interested in was becoming a, a motivational speaker. And one of the things that Les Brown said before he ended his, his spill was, now I don't speak for less than $10,000 every time I open my mouth. Mm. And I said, that is for me. That, I knew that was for me. And I was in it for the money. So I joined this organization called Toastmasters because it was a, a suggestion by my mentor. And as I, as I go into this meeting, they teach me about the competent communicator and uh, competent leader and all these things. It, it just didn't make sense at the time. And then I went to what's called a, a Toastmaster a TLI, a Toastmaster Leadership Institute. And when I went to this meeting, I saw this gentleman. And I, I'll never forget, his name was uh, Linton McLean. I saw this gentleman. He was very sharply dressed. He had a tie, suit. He, I mean, he just looked sharp. So I began speaking to this gentleman. And I found out at the time he was an area governor. And I said, how do I become one of those? And he t- started telling me more about Toastmasters, and I started getting more wrapped up and more involved in the, in, the, in the program. And I began to kind of follow in his footsteps. He became an area governor, so I became an area governor. <laughs> he became a, a, a division uh, governor, so I became a division governor. He wrote a book, so I wrote a book. So I just kind of, kind of mirrored everything Linton did. And it was, it was so great. You know, I went into Toastmaster with one thing and wanting to be a, key, a motivational speaker, which I'm still pursuing that as something with the main priority in my life. But when I came and I started learning about Toastmasters, I found out something that, that touched me a lot more than I expected it would. And that's the leadership aspect of it. Just like, just like Linton McLean took me under his wing and told me about Toastmasters and told me about all the things I can accomplish if I put my mind to it. I began to mentor and tell other people that same thing. And I began watching people grow. And it's, it's unbelievable when you begin to see somebody from zero to get to that halfway point in the Confident Communicator or Confident Leadership Manual, and then they get to the 10th, and it's like a whole new speaker. And it's like, so 
I came in for the, the, the communication portion of it, but what made me stay was the leadership portion of it. Wow. You know, as I'm listening to your story, I realize uh, how important mentorship is, how important that there's somebody in your life, uh, Toastmasters and maybe outside of Toastmasters, that you can see, huh, I want to be like that person, right? Absolutely. And just like you, I have many stories of my own mentors uh, where they have showed me uh, there's people who are travel from club to club, not just within the state and the district, but internationally. Mm. And one day I'm thinking, hmm, this woman, she travels all over the world. She goes to Toastmasters in Russia, Australia, Germany, Japan, <laughs> thinking, hmm, if she can go outside of the country to visit Toastmasters, I can. And that's what I've been doing. And yeah. that's what it is. You, I think you cannot succeed alone. Isn't right. That, no, isn't no. that true? Oh, yeah. Anything is alone. It's not worth the, worth the effort. Yeah. You know, teamwork makes the dream work. I, I, I say that all the time, but I truly mean it. Yeah. And, you know, it's like the effort of two is so much greater than the effort of one. The effort of four is so much greater than the effort of two. Collectively, as a team, we can achieve more. Yeah. Well, don't, would you mind sharing what is the biggest obstacle that you had to face yourself? When you, when you have a moment and you by yourself and you're thinking about what you have done and where you still yet to go, what do you recognize as one of the biggest challenges you, George, have, have faced? And something that, not just something we put it under the rug, but something that's real, something you look at in the face. How do you, how do you overcome it? What is the biggest challenge you have overcome so far in Toastmasters and maybe outside of Toastmasters? One of the biggest obstacles I have and, and one of the biggest obstacles I see that many people face is wasted time. We have 24 hours to be successful. And so many times we, we, we spend about eight hours at work or at school, whatever your case is. You spend about eight hours sleeping, that's 16 hours gone. That leaves eight hours to be successful. Of that eight hours, we spend maybe two hours, three hours hanging out with our friends. We spend an hour, maybe two hours wasting time. That's time gone to be successful. So much time procrastination has held me back in life and I, and I watch the time go, and I watch it tick by, days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months, and that's time you can never get back. Mm. So to, to, to combat that, I, even though I don't want to do it, I put in my mind I have to do it. Because I, I, I've learned that successful people do today what other people won't do, so they'll have tomorrow what other people won't have. That's right, wow, I appreciate, I appreciate that. Is there a story? Is there a speech coming up about that in, in, in your speech in the speech contest cycle? Is this is this coming up as a procrastination, like one of the uh, international speeches, possibly? It's always in the background. It's I, always in the background because procrastination is one thing that has always plagued me. So it, it definitely is, is at the forefront of of, of uh, my advice that I would give to someone not to waste time. Not to waste time. That's excellent advice because I believe you either face it, do it, or you waste time. Waste time. George, I want to ask you, what are the projects that you're working on right now that's something that you're excited about, something that you want the sort of heard an interview with George, and I want to help him? Uh, maybe this is your call for, you know, movement that you're working on. Yeah. Well, I always ask myself the question, if you can, if you can speak to anyone, past or present, living or dead, who would it be? And the answer is always... Uh, resounding me. I would speak to myself 
And I would speak to my age, as myself at the age of 15, 16, 17, early adulthood up to about 20 to 21. And the reason why I say that because these are the these are the, the times I really didn't understand life. I was just kind of going through the motions. I had no desire, had no goals, no aspirations, no big dreams to, to think about. But now, because I can't go back and speak to myself at that, that younger age, my passion has been speaking to young people. So right now my project is, is geared more toward visiting as many high schools as I can to reach our young people. I, I believe I, you know, when I watch the news, I see our young people shooting each other and, and not really having any big goals, aspirations, I see myself. And I, and I have a story called Chicken George where I talk about myself hanging around chickens. And, and that's what I surrounded myself with, chickens. But uh, as Les Brown reminded me, there's greatness in all of us. And that's the message I take to these young people, that there's greatness inside of them, that they have the, the power to change the way the world is going to go. That, the, the young, people are, young people have that power to change the world. When we, we begin to get old like us, you know, we, we begin to get irrelevant. But these young people have the, have the power to change the world. We may have the wisdom and the guidance, but they have the power to change the world. So my project is working with as many youth as I can. Wow, that's amazing. And I think you, you are the man for the job. I hope so. <laughs> I, I think you're the man for the job. I hope so, brother. I've seen you talk and I've seen you give. I think a lot of times when we take the stage, um, a lot magic can happen, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. And it depends on your connection with the audience and how much you want to give. Hmm. I mean, there's so many different things you can do uh, when you're speaking, but I think it's about giving. Truly, Absolutely. it's about giving. Absolutely. And in the end, and I think it's compound effect, how much you give of yourself, how much you give of your wisdom, how generous you are. Of course, you have to be able to monetize it as well, but I think it's about giving first. Absolutely. Muhammad Ali once said that the, the rent that we pay for our, our place here on earth is the service that we give to other people. My goodness. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> just, so you know, serve. It's all about yeah. service to other people. It really is. That's, that's, that's what we're here for. We're here to serve others. I, I agree. Yes. I agree. So let me ask you, George, if people want to get in touch with you, what is the best way to do that and how? And, and then we'll finish up. Okay. Yeah, you can reach me at, at my website, georgecaseyjr.com. Uh, I can be reached at 904-742-4306. These are my connections. I'm, I'm very accessible uh, and, and ready to serve my public, ready to serve my community. I think you are. I think I see that in you, and I, I respect that. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you, everyone, for listening to the... I know that you're inspired uh, to reach out to George and help him in the best way that you can. I'm sure he'll appreciate it. Support him in his way uh, to the top, uh, to support him with the movement, because he will definitely use all of your talents. So thank you, everyone, for listening, and... So long.